Hey guys, welcome back to the Greenwood First Student Podcast. Uh, We're going to be continuing this week in our walk through the Gospel of John. We'll be in chapter 18 and covering verses 12 through 27. So if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and get that. Let's get into God's Word together and see what we can learn from it this week. If you were able to join us last week, you know that we uh, covered the first 11 verses of chapter 18, and we talked about the arrest of Jesus, and we talked about even through His arrest, how Jesus was in control of all things. He was not ambushed by the world around Him and taken into custody, but He willingly gave Himself up for us. He gave Himself up to those who would capture Him so that the process would start of His redeeming work on the cross. And this week, the same thing is going to continue to play out. Jesus will be in control as the trial starts. Uh, The trial starts in a way that is uh, illegal, that is shady, but Jesus remains in control of the whole thing. But but today, as we look at this, we're going to see some some interesting writing. Uh, The way the Gospel of John is written is is unique here, that he kind of cross-sections two stories. He he interfolds them, and so there'll be a, a portion of Jesus and his conversation, and then Peter and his conversation, and then back to Jesus and his, and then back to Peter again. So two stories unfolding at the same time and in the same place. And so he goes back and forth in this, and it it helps us to see a picture of who Jesus is and then who we as followers are as well. And we can relate to Peter in this instance. We're going to spend more time talking about the actions of Peter this week because I believe it's a good opportunity for us to to look at ourselves, to understand who we are as followers, but also to give glory to God by the way that he loves and interacts with Peter even through this instance. So let's go ahead and read these verses together, 12 through 27, and then we'll come back through and we'll break down these stories. First, we'll look at the conversations of Jesus and then the conversations of Peter as these things are happening simultaneously. So if you have your Bible, verse 12, let's read this together. It says, Then the company of soldiers, the commander, and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus and tied him up. First they led him to Annas, since he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be better for one man to die for the people. Simon Peter was following Jesus, as was another disciple. That disciple was an acquaintance of the high priest, so he went in with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter remained standing outside by the door. So the other disciple, the one who was known by the high priest, went out, spoke to the girl who was the doorkeeper, and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl, who was the one at the doorkeeper, said to Peter, You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? I am not, he said. Now the servants and the officials had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. They were standing there warming themselves, and Peter was standing with them warming himself. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus answered him. I have always taught in the synagogue and in the temple where all the Jews congregate, and I have, haven't spoken anything in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who heard what I told them. Look, they know what I said. When he said these things, one of the officials standing by slapped Jesus, saying, Is this the way that you answer the high priest? If I have spoken wrongly, Jesus answered him, Give evidence about the wrong. But if rightly, why do you hit me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, 
And they said to him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Peter denied it again, and immediately the rooster crowed. So let's go back and look at these two stories that are unfolding at the same time. We kind of get this picture in our mind. Uh, the high priest would have, have lived in, in a housing complex that had a courtyard in the center, and that's where this is all taking place. And we see that Jesus is being brought there by those who had arrested him, and we know that the disciples in the garden scattered at the moment of the arrest but here we see two of these disciples, Peter and one who is not named, and they come back into the courtyard to, to follow Jesus to see what's going on. And so we're in this courtyard, and Jesus is standing before Annas, who is actually the former high priest. You can see there uh, in the beginning verses, in verse 13 there, it says, First they led him to Annas, since he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest. Uh, so Caiaphas was the current high priest, but Annas was a high priest before. And, and actually, in the book of Numbers, it tells us that the high priest holds that position for life. But the reason that this was changing now was because under Roman rule, they didn't want one man to have too much power. And so they continually changed the office of who could be uh, the high priest. And so to the Jewish people, Annas was their high priest, and Caiaphas was the acting official, in a sense. And so they took him to Annas first. And as they took him to Annas in this courtyard, Jesus is standing there. He is answering the questions that are being asked to him. Uh, at, at a distance, there is Peter standing at a fire, warming himself uh, with those who had arrested him and other people who had congregated around. And we have these two stories unfolding at once. So first, let's look at the story of, of Jesus. So let's go down to verse 19. It says, The high priest, and this is referring to Annas, Again, he's not the current high priest officially, but he is to the Jewish people. It says the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. So he begins to question him. Who are your disciples? What have you been teaching? What are you, what are you doing? What's going on with your movement? And Jesus says to him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogue and in the temple where the Jews all congregate. And I haven't spoken anything in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who heard what I told them. They know what I said. And so Jesus, in answering him, is remaining in control of this conversation. He's being questioned by the high priest here about his disciples. Who are they? And, and what are you teaching? And what have you been saying? And all this is being done in secret. All this is being done in the, in the early morning hours, in the cover of night, in the courtyard, which is against Jewish tradition and against Jewish law. What they were doing was illegal to hold a trial at night without any witnesses. And so Jesus is just exposing that. He's not losing his control and, and telling them that this is wrong and they can't do this. He just speaks with them and says, hey, the things that I've done, I've done according to your custom. I've done according to the law. I haven't done anything in secret. I'm not the one being secretive. He's exposing their sin of what they're doing. He's giving them opportunity to recognize the wrongfulness of what they are doing. He's in control of the interrogation by exposing the, the sin and the illegal format in which they are even ho holding this trial. And so that angers one of them. You see in 22 that when he had said these things, one of the officials standing by slapped him. 
and says, is this the way you answer the high priest? Again, Jesus doesn't return that violence with violence. He simply says, hey, if I've said something, if I have spoken wrongly, then you need to give evidence. I mean, that's how a trial works. If I'm lying, then you need to show me evidence that I'm lying. But if I'm right, then why do you hit me? You know, this kind of goes back into the, the teaching that Jesus tells his disciples that the world will hate him, but they have no reason. People's hatred toward Christ is, is not because Christ has wronged them, but because in his truth he exposes that we are all sinners and that we need him for redemption. And that's where the hatred comes. And so that's what we see with this official. He hears the truth, and it angers him that what they're doing is wrong. And so he strikes Jesus and tries to use another method to condemn him by saying, you're being disrespectful to the high priest. And while this is going on, while Jesus is interacting with these officials and, the, and Annas, the high priest there, Peter is at a distance, watching, listening, but his own conversation is happening. And so before he even enters the courtyard, when we see this other disciple who brought him in, uh, goes back and gets him because Peter stayed outside the door. Verse 16, Peter remained standing outside the door. So the disciple, the one who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the girl who was at the door, and brought Peter in. So Peter was nervous to come in. So this other disciple goes out, talks to the girl who's guarding the door, and says, hey, can you let Peter in? It's, it's kind, of, kind of funny. I mean, here moments earlier, Jesus is being arrested and Peter draws his sword and cuts the ear off of a man. And now he's afraid to enter into the door that's being guarded by a girl. This bravado that he showed in the garden has all of a sudden gone away. And now he's fearful to enter in. And she asks him a question. She says to him, you're not one of these man's disciples too, are you? She's not asking him in a condemning way. It's not going to get him arrested in that moment. The disciple who was known to the high priest was obviously known to be a disciple of Jesus. Look at the question. You're not one of these man's disciples too, are you? So you're not also with this other disciple who's a follower of Jesus, are you? But in his fear, in his self-preservation, Peter says, no, I'm, I'm not. And then he goes inside and he joins the others around this fire to warm himself and this is when the interaction with Jesus and Annas begins. Peter is watching as he is being questioned. He's watching as he is struck in the face uh, by the official. And then it goes back to this conversation with Simon Peter. Look at verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing there warming himself. And they said to him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? So a second time he is asked, You're not one of his followers as well, are you? He denied it again and said, I am not. Verse 26 one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had just cut off, said, Didn't I just see you with him in the garden? Now, I don't think this is a question. I think this is an accusation. He's saying, hey, my relative who just got his ear cut off, I was in the garden and I saw you there. Didn't I just see you in the garden? Verse 27, Peter denied it again and immediately a rooster crowed. Now, we don't have... Uh, any more information about this interaction in the Gospel of John. But the great thing about Scripture is that we have the four Gospels that we can use to piece together a fuller picture of what's going on. And what happened in the Gospel of Luke, when this same interaction is happening, we see in chapter 22 that the moment the rooster crowed, after the third time that Peter had denied Christ, Jesus in the courtyard turns and looks at Peter. 
And Peter is overwhelmed with emotion. He begins to weep, and he runs out of the courtyard. Now, there's a lot of people who have looked at that and said, you know, Jesus looked at him, and he was overcome with guilt, and so he fled in embarrassment. And, and probably, yes, there was some of that. But let me tell you what I believe happened. I don't believe Jesus looked at him in a way to say, I told you so. I don't believe he looked at him in a way of saying, I knew you were going to deny me and you did it anyway. How could you? I warned you about it. You still did it. I think Jesus is looking at Peter and he's helping him to understand that he's still in control. He's looking at him and saying, I know you're scared. I know you're worried, but I'm in control of this. He looks at him with grace. He looks at him with love. In the midst of Peter's lying and denying of his Savior, the same Savior he said the, the night before at the Last Supper that he would die for, that he pulled a sword and cut a man's ear off trying to defend, he now denies three times. Jesus looks at him with compassion and understanding. And I believe that grace that he experienced in that moment, that love that he experienced, is what overwhelmed him into conviction of his wrongfulness and moved him to weep and to flee. And here's what I want us to understand. I think all of us at some point in our lives have felt like Peter. Maybe people have been talking about Christianity, our faith, our Savior in ways that are unflattering or derogatory or completely attacking. And maybe we haven't been asked, hey, are you a Christian? And we say, no, I'm not a Christian to save face in that moment. But we've probably allowed conversations to happen around us and we've not stood up for our faith. Maybe we've been afraid to say something because we don't know what to say. Or maybe it's just easier to, to not say anything so that there's not conflict. And so we've, we've kind of allowed things to happen in our lives. And then we feel this guilt. We feel this remorse for not standing for our faith, not defending our faith and our Savior. Well, I don't think we should just end the story understanding that Peter fled and wept. Because we see another disciple who betrayed Jesus, and he fled as well. But the difference was Judas, when he betrayed Jesus, was overcome with guilt, and he fled, and he killed himself. Because he didn't love Christ, he was just in remorse for what he had done against him. Peter loved Jesus, and Peter fled, and his remorse was turned into repentance. He was sorrowful for what he had done because he loved Jesus. And he knew that what he had done was wrong, and he, he offers him honor later. We see that when Jesus returns, he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter three times, the same that he denied him, says, yes, I love you. And Jesus commissions him to go and feed his sheep, to go and share the gospel with the people of the world. So Peter's remorse was returned to repentance. So, so brother and sister in Christ, if you have those moments where you feel like you're not living your Christian life the way that you should, and conviction comes and it leads you to this place of guilt or remorse, don't stay there. Recognize that that guilt, that remorse should lead us to repentance. It should lead us to ask the Lord to forgive us for what we have done and know that His work on the cross was sufficient and that we can receive forgiveness because of what He has done for us. And then we are empowered and we are encouraged by the Spirit to then go and live for Him. The man that Peter becomes, the day of Pentecost, standing before the crowds, the same man who denied Jesus, then stands and proclaims the gospel later. And that's where we need to be. We need to be people who recognize our wrongfulness, 
and we lead to repentance. And once we have repented of that sin, we then proclaim the truth of the gospel to the world around us. Next week, we will continue walking through the gospel of John. We will look at Jesus as he stands before Pilate in the Roman government, and the trial starts there. We'll also look at the beginning of the movement to the cross. I hope you'll be able to join us back next week. I'm excited for the time when we can join together again. But until then, thanks for joining me on the podcast. May the Lord bless you and keep you in all that you do.